listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 233 and 234 of Fed by Ravens. Yeah. This is your daily allotted uh, biblical caloric intake. Did you know the average person needs about 2,000 calories of Bible a day just to survive? (laughs) And strangely enough, no one is overweight in this uh, biblical kingdom. (laughs) We're woefully malnourished. And so that's why we're setting up this meal program. And uh, if you have trust Christ at all, this meal is completely free and daily. Yeah, I just made that up. I don't know if you can tell. Where are we? So as we walk through the Bible, we find ourselves in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Yeah. Let's begin in the Old Testament. Where are we? Play me in. Our Old Testament reading for today is 2 Chronicles chapter 13 through chapter 18, verse 27. We just finished the glorious reign of Solomon. Mm -hmm. So we had the, uh, really the trifecta for any great story. You have... Corrupt Saul, mm-hmm. stabilizing David, and then glorious Solomon. Mm-hmm. Well, Solomon has a kid named Rehoboam who doesn't want to be like daddy and kind of makes a mess of it. That was the last episode, right? Yes. So we end or really begin chapter 13 with the reality of Rehoboam. Our, he ruled 17 years, and after him comes a guy named Abijah. Yes. In my the mind, son. I, the son, Abijah. So how I'm thinking about these kings is we're all in Judah, which is nice. So these are all the line of David. So you got to keep in your mind, the line, the promise of God is on. It's for the sake of David. Yes. That God's going to be with the kings of Judah. So I'm thinking of years. It's just kind of interesting. So you got 17 years of Rehoboam, and now Abijah, we're going to talk about him real quick, but he only rules for three years, and they don't really say why. It's just a short reign. Maybe he was an older guy. Who knows? But um, I, just keep that in mind. I'm keeping the years because the farther away or the further away we get from Solomon, um, it's just interesting to me. It's yeah. like things get dicey. And so mm-hmm. follow the line of David. Sometimes it's like super thin and it's mm-hmm. like looks like it's dead, but then God brings it back. It's really right. kind of a cool, yeah. this is the story you really want to follow while trying to work your way through Chronicles. Otherwise, your, your eyes will just go scan over the pages and go, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, anyway. So what happens to Abijah? What's his deal? So Abijah is really kind of facing now the realities of a divided kingdom. Of like This is going to happen. Of Israel, of the northern tribes versus the southern tribes. And uh, the one real big story that we get in, um, in his reign is the uh, north, Jeroboam, kind of goes up against Abijah That's right. and he's going to try to take over Judah and basically unite it into one kingdom again, but under Jeroboam. And Jeroboam was the guy who instituted like the golden calves and everything. And so Abijah stands up before him and basically has this amazing speech that says, uh, hear me, O Jeroboam and all Israel, Ought you not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave kingship over Israel forever to David his and his sons by a covenant of salt? Right. And so the first thing he does is he sets up, hey, 
the Lord has ordained the rule of the line of David right. over this kingdom, and uh, you need to respect that. Then the second thing he drops is also you have uh, what I'm trying to look. wiped out, dispersed. wiped out, dispersed, disdained. That's the yeah. word. Yeah. The priesthood, the right. right, the godly priesthood. You have uh, gotten rid of it. You've driven all the priests, the actual real Levitical priests, out of your land, and they are now all in my land. Right. And so you have forsaken the priesthood and the line of David, so you should not be feeling good right now about coming up against me. Exactly. That's the theme. So here's the theme that'll connect this. Have you ever had a, like a fight within your, not just your kind of nuclear family, but the bigger family? There starts mm-hmm. to get division. Yes. And so imagine there's been this big split for 17 years. Yes. You're like, you know what? I'm going to put an end to this split. I just need to tell Jeroboam that remember who you are. We're the people of God. And so that's what Abijah does. And this will be the temptation. Actually, every king of Judah. But Jeroboam, though, he's instigating this. Okay, well, I'm just, the the upper level for me here is just get like, the theme is, hey, maybe I can reunite the family. Right, right. Oh, but you know what we need to do to reunite the family? We need to say sorry for the Christmas party of, of, of 2002. Mm-hmm. And we need to go back to church and we need to, you know. And so that's kind of the theme. Mm-hmm. Well, Jeroboam, so Jeroboam's going up against Abijah, right? Yeah. Yeah, because he's, he's sensing weakness. Yes, yes. And so uh, during this apparently speech and prayer and like Abijah's just trying to be like, Jeroboam, back off. And Jeroboam then sets up an ambush. Right. Abijah realizes it and cries out to the Lord. That's what I like. And the Lord saves them. And I mean, Abijah does say, Jeroboam, don't fight against the Lord. Yeah. The God of your fathers, you cannot succeed. So Mm -hmm. it is like there's a a part of this that's going, just trust the Lord. Well, long story short, um, Abijah, who should lose, it has a two-front war set up by Israel uh, that's Jeroboam, and God gives the victory to Abijah. And uh, Judah wins, kills like 500,000. I mean, just like uh, kind of flips the scales, mm-hmm. and it's all because of God. And so Abijah is like this good kind of leader after Rehoboam. God shows up and gives a clear argument for why Jeroboam will lose. And you think things things are starting to kind of turn up for Judah Meanwhile, in Israel, they're kind of hardening up. Their hearts yeah. are hardening even more under Jeroboam. So then we get to chapter 14, right? Yes. So Abijah dies, and Asa, his son, comes up. And Asa can kind of continues uh, mm-hmm. the work of his father a little bit and uh, is able to get down altars, and he's trying to institute uh, religious reforms um, to the city, to the tribe of Judah. Well, here's what you see. You see God give a miraculous military victory again. Yes. So Asa is attacked by all these places. Because of Rehoboam leaving God, God leaves them, right? right? And so now they're open to all these attacks and things have fallen apart and Rehoboam was the temple and the house of God and the king's house was all looted. Well, Asa trusts the Lord, cries out to God, and uh, this massive one million man army from Ethiopia mm-hmm. is miraculously defeated. And this kind of helps uh, Asa reestablish. So you have Asa kind of re- returning over, and now Asa is the one looting and getting things restored mm-hmm. back in the capital city, God's capital city. 
Yeah, and so he, the uh, a prophet named Arizat, uh, Azariah, sorry. Azariah. Uh, is filled with the Spirit of God. He shows up right after this victory to Asa yeah. and kind of reestablishes the Davidic covenant with Asa, saying, uh, all right, this Now's is awesome. Remember that if you follow God, God, God will be good to you, but if you forsake God, God will forsake you. Like, don't forget that. Like, remember that there will be... Like, who you are and who's your God and, and who gave you this victory. Remember exactly. this. Exactly. So turn to the Lord. Keep trusting him. Take courage. Do not let your hands be weak, for mm-hmm. your work shall be rewarded. And it's the idea we're going to see in the New Testament that your labor, when you're doing it with the Lord, is not in vain. So keep trusting. So more reforms. Um, and then, like, to the point that Asa is, like, super zealous at this point, and to the point that he even um, gets rid of his own mother because yeah. she had set up if you remember back in the Kings, she set up a very, like, a detestable Asherah pole. Right. And that was, like, super gross, apparently. And so he even gets rid of his mother's altars and, I think, his mom. And so he's, like, on fire for most of his reign. But then we get to the very end of his reign. Chapter 16, yes. kind of through, well, yeah, 16. What I realized, though, is whenever you have mil- victory you're taking back places Mm -hmm. and you're taking um, new people and you're getting their wealth, but you're also getting their gods. And what Asa, I think what happens to Asa is it's very complicated because now you have to re-educate all the new people in your kingdom. Oh, we don't worship that anymore. And that's what gets, the details are what kind of destroy even a good king Mm -hmm. because he doesn't onboard everybody he did the covenant renewal, but then you have victory. Yes. Now you have all these new people who are mixing with mm-hmm. the people who are on board with the covenant, but they don't know the covenant, and so it starts to water things down again. So you have to constantly be re-upping and re-educating. Oh, wait, maybe that's the model for, I don't know, a Sunday worship service. You've picked up some wealth. You've picked up some new ideas. We need to constantly onboard everything we take in yeah. to life under the reign of Christ. Anyway, he makes a, a, a fatal. He has a fatal flaw. Yes, he does. The uh, the current king of uh, Israel, the northern tribe, Basha, comes up against him. Right. And instead of crying out to the Lord, he cries out to Syria. Right. And he's like, hey, uh, we have an alliance, right? Why don't you come and save me from Basha? Right. And so he relies on Syria to save him. And another prophet, uh, Hanani, comes out and he's like... Dude, do you not remember what the Lord did yeah. with the a million Ethiopians? Right. He's like, really? You just relied on the Syrians? What is going on? And before we make a judgment on Asa, the reality is, this is what we do. Yeah. When we have need, we cry out to the Lord. But then we think, we think falsely that maturity is, I'm getting to a point, Lord, where uh, I don't need to rely on you. Which is true if you're a child growing up in a home. Mm-hmm. Yes, you need to become independent. But spiritually, the more mature you get, the more dependent you become on the Lord. Yes. This is the hardest thing for all of us, myself included, because my mind says, oh, I don't need you, Lord. I'll solve my own problems. And the prophet has to show up and go, why not cry out to the Lord? This is your life now. He takes care of you. He He is your sugar daddy. You don't need to rely on other people to take care of you. They will betray you. And I will, I will lead, if you do need to rely on other people, I will lead you to those people. Yes. And so Asa here... Yeah, gets very angry gets and defensive, and imprisons uh, Han and I, and and then is uh, 
What does he say? Oh, he's like, You're Asa sick, inflicted bro. cruelties upon the, some of the people at, at the same time. So he like at he ends his he ends poorly. Poorly, like he was he good. Does not finish the race strong. Well, he gets diseased as a result of this, yes. and then instead of crying, like and the prophet gives him a disease. Yes. Because when you're sick, it's the most base level. You say, "Dear God, heal me, please yes. help me." You're the God of all creation. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, and so Asa, this is exposing. So when you're confronted with the truth, a pastor mm-hmm. or a loved one says, hey, man, I think this decision, this life decision you're making is hurting you. Yeah. Cry out to the Lord. You don't. Sickness sometimes is, again, it's not punishment. It's the opportunity to cry out to the Lord. Yes. So yes, does the Lord give sickness sometimes? Yes. But it's for you to go, dear God, have mercy on me. Perfect. So I check will. yourself. But if you're hard-hearted and you're saying no, he goes to physicians, it says, which at yes. first, when you read this on your own, you're like, What's wrong with going to doctors? Absolutely nothing. Go to your doctor. It's one of the great vocations mm-hmm. God has created. It's a gift. But he went to mediums, mm-hmm. people who were consulting other gods, and as a result, it falls apart and he dies. Yes. Well, Jehoshaphat steps up in chapter 17. And uh, so Asa ruled, though, for a solid 41 years. Yeah. And... Um, and again, we're painting Asa in broad strokes. When mm-hmm. we, I hope, I think Asa, I think there's no reason he won't be in heaven with us. We can, we can find out. Like like with Solomon, we yeah. kind of realized, oh, he's much more soft than his legacy will describe. Your legacy yeah. will describe you in broad strokes. Right. But the reality is, maybe he did turn to the Lord, but we don't know that because mm-hmm. he's representing the people and he screwed up. Jehoshaphat, though, will rule for 25 years, and he protected Judah and walked in the ways of the Lord, just like David. He is um, going to establish the kingdom of God again. And what I liked about yes. uh, Jehoshaphat is he did all sorts of great reforms, but he sent out teachers. This is where I came up with the idea for Asa. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, he understood we are taking on new people. Mm-hmm. We need to educate them. So he actually sent out teachers with the word of God to get everyone on the same page. So again, all the Levites from all the tribes had retreated basically back to Jerusalem to be near the temple. And so now he's getting all the Levites and sending them back out into the tribes that are underneath his control and saying, go out, do your job, and teach the people the word of the Lord, which is really cool. Right. So Jehoshaphat is doing a great, good job, Jehoshaphat. Mm -hmm. You know what? We're going to um, constantly give you cost of living increases in your pay. You're doing a wonderful job. Oh, wait, who are you friends with? Except... What happens to Jehoshaphat? I mean, here's the deal. Jehoshaphat's a good guy. And what does everybody want? Because now we're only, what, 41 years, 20... We're like 60, 70 years away from... The split. 80 years away from Solomon's... The split with Rehoboam. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that's always on your agenda as king of Judah... Let's reunite the band. Yeah. We We gotta reunite God's people. The Lord's with me. Uh, yeah, we can obviously do this. And so Jehoshaphat is during the time of uh, the Ahab. Of Ahab Oof. The and infamous Ahab. Yeah, Ahab's bad news. You do not want to be friends with Ahab. But if you're trying to be the good guy and save, you know how it goes. This is something yes, that I've seen is, mm-hmm. in my life play over and over again. Things are going well. I'm re, I've rebuilt the kingdom of God in my life. And I just desperately want to save a friend of mine mm-hmm. who's in a bad place. Right. And while we, can, we, we don't save people, right. we announce the work of Jesus Christ and God saves people. And there's sometimes it's healthy to say, you're in a bad place and you're a little bit contagious. Yes. I'm, I'm quarantining myself from you for a time because I can't help you. I'll just get mixed up into it. 
and uh, it won't be a help. We'll all end up hurt. Right. Well, Jehoshaphat, great Jehoshaphat, gets mixed up with Ahab, and as a result, yeah, gets he even up. he even marries into the Ahab's family. So again, this is a very political move. He's very yeah. much trying to reunite the, which I've never really thought about before. But he's trying to reunite yeah, the kingdom. Totally. And uh, so, this is when Ahab is calls upon Jehoshaphat to be like, "Hey, uh, help me." in a battle let's go do this and jehoshaphat at least has the presence well, to say wait, wait 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 uh can we call on a prophet of the lord first like because he it's like a christian it's like yeah. you as a christian hanging out with your heathen friends hey, can i pray before we eat yeah and you're like wait 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 uh you're getting all this weird advice from all your other pagan friends um can can we, we get a, a a pastor's advice on this can we quick? get a real prophet up in yeah. here and then that's when Ahab, if you read Kings, he's like, oh, I have this one prophet. Is it Micah? Micaiah. Micaiah. Yeah. Oh, I hate Micaiah, though, because he always goes against me. And yeah. then they're like, but we'll call him. And then you have the whole story where Micaiah lies and then says, fine, uh, what he's my God speaks to me, yeah. I'll say to you. And he basically says, you're going to lose uh, as sheep with no shepherd. You know, he even I think he even says, uh, not only are you going to lose, but you're going to die in this. Well, OK, can I? There's such a moment for me here, reading the words of Micaiah to Ahab, it is exactly like Jesus to the high priests. Mm-hmm. And he even says, like a sheep with no shepherd, mm-hmm. that the high priests are calling the true prophet of God, but they don't want to hear from him. Yes. But they're saying, tell us the truth. Yes. Are you the king of the Jews? Yeah, you said it. Mm-hmm. Kill him. And they end up, like, this isn't where they, yeah, they struck Micaiah on the cheek, mocking him. Where's the spirit of God now, Mm -hmm. Micaiah? I mean, it's a total Jesus moment that happens uh, a thousand years earlier. But uh, by the end of it, this is, this, the end of our reading today, all I can say is, um, if I was Micaiah, he's now in prison Mm -hmm. under Ahab's rule, and he's just going, hey, uh, thanks, Jehoshaphat. Yeah. Really appreciate you telling evil Ahab to call a real prophet. Real good work over there, Jehoshaphat. Which is exactly what happens to us. Like yes. when we're trying to save our our friends who are maybe were Christians and they're lost now and we get involved trying yeah. to save them. It's like some other Christian gets hurt and they're like, Yeah, thanks a lot for involving me in this, Matt. Now yeah. I'm in jail. Well, I was just trying to help. Yeah, let God do the helping. You just do the crying out to God part. Jump in Jehoshaphat. Uh, am I right? Am I right? That's where we'll end today with Jehoshaphat, but we'll continue. And just let me tell you, in the upcoming days, the story gets so dramatic with this king. That might be of, the, the title for this episode. Jumping, Jumping Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. They used to say that on a cartoon. Like, I remember... Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to think like of what that Sylvester. Was. Yeah. Jumping Jehoshaphat or something like that. I don't, that was... Edit that out. Yeah, that was gold. Cool. All right. Now let's go. New Testament to reading. our New Testament reading, which is our New Testament reading for today is 1 Corinthians chapter fourteen. <laughs> what did I say it wrong? No, I was give, I was dramatically pausing, and then oh. you stopped. I wanted you to keep going. Oh, sorry, I to, sorry. It was like highlighting by stopping the music. I wanted to highlight the passage. Try it again. Okay. Our New Testament chapter passage for today is 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20, through chapter 15, verse 34. I see. It was worth seeing your shocked expression. It, we've, we haven't seen each other in a week, so our synchronization is off. I don't know what you're talking about. 
<laughs> All right. Resync. Yeah. Oh, 1 Corinthians. So we end 1 Corinthians 14 really with the conversation. This is the end of a conversation. Yes. So he was addressing one of the questions about the spiritual gifts and uh, what we should pursue and how we should use them and blah, 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 blah. And really, to sum up, he's just going, look, I don't care what you do in your personal time. <laughs> Paul is so cool. But when you're together, yeah. for the sake of Christ, please, <laughs> please just benefit the whole body. Yeah. Whatever you do, just make sure everyone is understanding, everyone's on the same page, yes. and and everyone is being benefited by the word of God. Paul is literally me in the kitchen with my 13-year-old daughter explaining, it's cool, you're making your lunch with me, but please put back the mayonnaise when you're done with it. Please put the knife in the sink. Please wipe off the crumbs. We just, just not leave this. Let's... I don't care how you make the sandwich. Right. Just clean up after. And <laughs> I've already praised you for 14 chapters on how awesome it is you make your sandwich. Yes. And uh, he is just saying everything needs to be in order. Like when we gather together as the body of Christ, we got to know what we're saying. One person at a time. Mm -hmm. If you're doing a special, he's not, again, he's not saying, oh, tongues is a babbling thing or it's a language thing. Yes, I don't, God is so big and so great. He can do all that. But the one thing I know he's doing is we're edifying one another. When we gather around Christ and his body, his crucifixion, his resurrection. Oh, and by the way, culture. The culture we live in, we have, there are some boundaries because it's confusing. Mm-hmm. Since, we're, since we're on the subject of not being confusing, confusing let's go to um, yes, the way okay, things are said. Okay. God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So since we're there, here's what's getting confused in our culture right now. Take it away. Yeah, so that's a, that's a great way to frame the conversation in 1 Corinthians because we often try to answer other questions that are not being answered here. It's verse 34 that we take out of context and we make it a law. We make it one of the Ten Commandments. Yes. When really it's Paul going, put away your mayonnaise. Oh, and on the subject of confusion. Yes. Let's not confuse one another and outsiders on what we're doing here. So again, you got to put this in the context of Corinth at that time they have 12 12 of the biggest temples pagan temples and all of those temples are um the way they worship their gods it's drunkenness it's orgies it's (laughs) gluttony it's um it's women prophets yeah it's women prophesying in an ecstatic state yeah uh in in front of the men to entice them to sleep with them to get a to get a blessing from the God that they just channeled. And so he's like, let's be very clear on what we are not. And see, this is the, the modern misconception because Paul says women should keep silent in churches mm-hmm. for they're not permitted to speak, but should be in submission as the law says. And, and then he goes on, um, if they need to learn anything, learn it at home, don't speak in church. So we take that in isolation and go, women aren't supposed to speak in church. So we just decide to violate this law of God. And then we feel kind of enlightened over it or we're confused over it or we defend it and we say women can't speak. But then women do speak in church. Let me release some of the steam here. Paul's talking to people where women are the pastors. Mm -hmm. They are the people in leadership at the temples. Yeah. They, they are the prophet. Women are 
and this is just a natural, like you can look in nature for Paul's mind, like the, the wisest people we go to are the, the witch. We, we always have witches as feminine, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the sorceresses mm-hmm. are the ones who are able to divine things from the great oracle in the mm-hmm. Greek mythology. It's the women. I mean, even watch um, Disney's, uh, what, what is it, Hercules, you know? You go oh, and yeah, look yeah. at the divine the oracles, face, yeah. and it's always the women. Mm-hmm. It's all, and, and so historically, Paul's saying, look, we aren't using the women prophetesses. Because our prophecies and the oracles that we have are written down for us and through the apostles. Mm -hmm. So it is the apostles' teachings that we are given. There is no more, like, tell us the future. There's no more interacting with death and dead people and sorcery and all that stuff. And so manipulating the gods and all that stuff. And so for now, guys, we're not going to have women start to uh, rely on their gifts and what they've done in the temple. It's a big shift. Yeah, so again, he's trying to keep it from leading to confusion because, again, we had, and if you remember, and if you're taking this whole book in context, this yeah. letter, in the beginning, you have uh, one of the members sleeping with his uh, right. mother-in-law, and he's going, look, we're trying to stay away from this whole sexual immorality thing that has been so tied to right. worship. And if there's a woman up there prophesying and all of these Corinth dudes who are used to going to the temple, they're being stirred up to unnatural lusts. Yeah. To, and so it's like, let's, we are not that. We got to be yeah, that's, clear to be like, we no, are not that. We are something different. We're starting something new. So for the sake of the benefit of the body and to keep confusion from entering in on what we're doing here, yeah. we're just going to, we're going to just not have them speak. Right. Because it's too confusing. Because, yeah, the natural progression of things in the 12 biggest temples in your mm-hmm. city are going to lead from, they're going to mix, yes, the prophecy and then the fornicating mm-hmm. activities that follow, and that has nothing to do here. And then Paul even goes on, I'm just realizing too, like, he's like, is it from you that the word of God came? See, that makes sense to Paul because, again, he's tying it to the the oracle of Delphi. He's mm-hmm. to these women who are uh, connected to demonic stuff. He's like, no, 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 we aren't getting anything new here. We are mm-hmm. gathering around Christ crucified. And, um, and so the things I'm writing you are all you need to know. So we are finding life in Christ's death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. But then he gets to the end. So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy, but do not forbid speaking tongues, but in all things be done decently and in order. So he's going, look, we do prophesy, but prophecy is saying, Here's what God, God loves you. Mm-hmm. You know, God is doing this in your life. God's doing that. And we, if you speak in tongues and you're breaking down the gospel in another language, do it decently and orderly. So we don't use this passage to say what women do in our churches today because we don't live in a culture that heads that direction. Right. There is no confusion in our churches today with any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we can find other orders and that God set up, but when it comes to men and women, women, but not in this passage. No. And then... Uh, that then leads us, though, to what is the main thing, which is so beautiful now that we're talking about it, right? I mean, he says, because yeah. in chapter 15, this is known as the resurrection chapter, mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it's, it's pivotal. you got to know this chapter, because this is, this is like the white-hot center of what we believe. And it might be difficult for people to believe, so he knows that. So he goes from this decently in order to 
uh, I would remind you of the gospel I preached to you. See, this is in response to the confusion of temple worship bleeding into church worship, worship of Jesus. And so he literally goes into, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. And this is like the Apostles' Creed. This is where it's taken from, parts of it. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. See, it's not from breaking a a bone or looking at the liver of an animal, a goat. We have scriptures that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared, and he goes on to list. But the main thing when you're gathering is Christ died for our sins, and he rose from the dead. Now, let's talk about uh, the reality of his death and resurrection. Resurrection is not a metaphor. We saw him. 500 people saw him. It is Mm -hmm. not a um, hallucination. The very nature of hallucinations are uh, you see something, I see something. 500 people saw him together. He appeared to the apostles whose word we are basing this on. Mm -hmm. And so, first of all, it is just historically a fact. Yeah, and so he's he's hitting... Okay, again, let's let's be very clear about this. We're not trying to obtain all these different spiritual gifts, and that's how we're trying... That's the point of this all? No, no, no. The point of this is the resurrection of Christ. Yeah. He really died, and he really raised from the dead. And if that is not true, then there is no point in this good news. That's it. There is no good news. That's it. And so for the Greek, though, remember, it's wisdom. And so they're going, people don't come back from the dead. Mm -hmm. And so he's addressing a very real and concerning objection do we take this spiritually or literally? Mm-hmm. And Paul's answer is, we literally rise from the dead. And I will prove it to you, and I will walk with you through it in chapter 15. And so that's where he starts. And his first place of starting is saying, it's in vain otherwise. Right. And then he continues on to say, and not only did he rise from the dead, but we will one day rise from the dead. Mm-hmm. And if that weren't true, then it's still not good news. Right. And the shocking thing to the original audience, though, is they just grow up in a culture that assumes a lot of spiritual... They're given... They have a huge spiritual vocabulary. Like, they are spiritual people. But they believe that our physical bodies are the result of the the squabbles of spiritual entities. And so, like, even our physical bodies are a punishment for Mm -hmm. losing a war Mm -hmm. and the great escape. Death is a great escape from physical... And so Paul's going, no, 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 God, our God created the physical. We don't escape the physical. We're ushered into the true physical. And that's Mm -hmm. the first Adam was physical and brought death. The second Adam, which is Christ from heaven, brings a new body into Mm -hmm. a new creation. And it is not uh, separated at all. And that's that's the big idea is that, uh, and then the idea that Christ is coming again, we are going to live again and so we don't dismiss the physical, mm-hmm. and, but we also hope. Otherwise, everything you're doing now is in vain. Like, what's yeah. the point? Yes. Yeah, and so it is interesting. At the very end, he's like, uh, he kind of starts quoting contemporary yeah. oh, no, guys so cool. to kind of land his point. And he says, okay, if the dead are not raised, then let us dr- eat, drink, 
for tomorrow we die. And that is a that was a contemporary belief and saying of uh, a tenant of hedonism where tomorrow we die, so we're just going to satisfy all of our all of our desires today. Right. And then so he uses that quote, but he goes, But do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. And that's a quote from a Greek comic, the poet Menander, mm-hmm. who is refuting the hedonism of the quote before. Yeah. And so he's not even a Christian author or mm-hmm. a writer. He's just a contemporary writer who's going, uh, hedonism is wrong. And so Paul's using these two quotes to kind of go, even within your own culture, it's being, that idea is being refuted and being understood right. as we're not hedonists. We should not be hedonists. And so then he continues, wake up from your drunken stupor. Wake up from your hedonism and do not go on sinning and recognize the resurrection. Long story short here, your life actually matters. Yes. Your life, this is just the beginning. Mm-hmm. And that we will raise from the dead. This is the hope. Mm-hmm. That... Um, it's not just what you can do in this life and then something happens. You will be raised to life where Christ reigns over all of his creation in perfection. Yes. Um, this is the hope that we have. And this is really the hope that will keep you going. This is the hope that Paul is going to be imprisoned for. And uh, if you confuse Christ's death and his resurrection... You are confusing everything, and you need to, basically, Paul would say, I need that person to be removed and stop. You're polluting the very core of who we are, and the ramifications for that are horrible. Mm -hmm. So wake up, everybody. For some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. And he's saying, some of you are Christians, but you just have no knowledge of who God is and what he's doing. So you need to get a clue. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm keeping the main thing the main thing. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, this is one of the most hard, this is a hard chapter. It's like, whoa. But yeah, if you, we're just following Paul. And I like the guy, man. I think he's awesome. Yeah. I can't wait to meet him in, in the new creation. Oh, man. That's we'll drink great. a lot of coffee together. <laughs> Today I'm going to be reading Psalm chapter 101. I will sing of steadfast love and justice. To you, O Lord, I will make music. I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart I will not endure. I will look with favor on the faithful in the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me. No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. Morning by morning I will destroy all the wicked in the land, cutting off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time.